Welcome to Power Talk Podcast, where the talk is interesting, informative, and powerful. Well, welcome to the podcast with Pastor Paul. Chicago hey. and Reverend Matthew De Leon. I switched it up there. How you doing? Yeah, I like Pastor? that switch. I, I know a little switcheroo. A little switcheroo. <laughs> yep, I'm telling you, you're quite the opener, buddy. Well, I try to be. Well, I try to be. Well, happy late Father's Day. Oh well, thank you, and yeah, and happy Father's Day and Grandfather's Day. Oh, to you, I buddy. know, I know, two times. That's right, twice. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Wow. We're excited about that. That's awesome. We're excited buddy. about that, my pastor. Um, anything in the news? I want to start off again with this. Anything in the news that's captivated your eye that concerns you or that is looking good? Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I, I tend to, the thing that tends to catch me, because I haven't been much on it because I've been working so hard right now, uh, a lot of my house being at summertime and oh, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've had a little time to be able to spend some, uh, you know, some of my physical resources and stuff on the house and try to get it prepared mm-hmm. uh, and done before the summer. But yeah. for the most part, the one thing that keeps jumping out quite a bit that I've noticed, um, there's probably other things, Yes, is that there's a lot of things going on with like the pride and the homosexual uh, thing. They're pushing that big uh, time, by the way. They're pushing it extremely hard. You can find it in your cartoons now. Um, there's several... You know, Disney now actually has an actual cartoon and it promotes Mm -hmm. uh, a specific sexual lifestyle and tries to promote it in a way that, you know, Mm -hmm. that it's very tolerant. Mm -hmm. I think that's one with the two dads. I think that was Uh, one with two dads. One that I had seen was actually like a a cartoon lady. She was Mm. like a teacher. Okay. And she's teaching the, uh, this young boy who's probably about six or seven in the video, uh, and teaching about how it's natural, him and a little girl about the same age, how it's natural to have these sexual feelings, basically. Mm-hmm. And that it's a very common thing. And and basically, they promote it in a very innocent-looking type right. fashion. Right. But in reality, look, six- and seven-year-olds aren't really geared towards thinking about sex. Exactly. Nor are they naturally sexually involved. But here right. we are, we're we're pushing this narrative that our young children should also know about sex even before they're asking, before they're interested. Before puberty. Before puberty and the hormones start raging. You know, we're, right. we're t- trying to push it. Look, there's a certain level that they need to know certain things. You know, right. they're going to come across things that maybe they've seen right. and they're going to question it. Well, as parents, we need to be very proactive in helping them understand one more the right and wrong of it more than yeah. they need to know what the sexual thing is all about mm-hmm. because their little minds don't need to be thinking and their little wills need to be thinking about how that works right right now they need to be thinking about social interaction with other children their age right they need to be thinking about how to just learn to spell and read exactly and here we are we're trying to teach them very deeply emotional things that are connected to a lifestyle that once they get to a certain age it's going to be a part of their life anyway right but it's not yet because god didn't design them yet to be to have a deep care or concern about it and to me pastor I, if it's not abortion it's messing with these kids at a young age. Yes. The devil, again, is behind all of this. Yes. You know, you know yes. what I'm saying? Again, if it's not abortion, mm-hmm. it's messing with our kids' minds thinking mm-hmm. that it's normal yeah. to think this way. Like, and like, I love what you're saying because kids should be thinking about playing yeah. Legos, yeah. cars, Barbies. And yet the world is trying to influence their minds saying, think about sex. Think about yeah. it in the most perverted way. 
what we're doing is we're teaching them to think about deeply emotional things when we should teach them more about character. There you go. And how to and how to and how to That's act good. and behavior because they deal with that every day just on the playground. Exactly. How do they treat the little kid that pushes them? Exactly. How do they treat the little girl that might be you know that that or the little boy that's in the class that's being bullied, which is natural things yeah. that they see. Yeah. How do they teach to treat the teacher even though one child's treating them bad? Does mm -hmm. that mean your child should be? Right. You see, we should be teaching them character traits, mm. so that way when the sexual thing does become prominent in their life yeah. and it does become you know a part of their life they know how to treat it with respect right. rather than teach them perversion now i already know the answer but when you say teach them character how do you in reference what do you mean pastor when you say i want to teach my, my these kids character how to respect other people is it respect, how, how respect? to be a quality person how to be you know how to say no to uh things that uh, that they might come across you know what what happens if uh, if, uh, if an older child that's maybe in their teenage years comes across my child at seven and he says here you know, why don't, why don't you, why don't you, uh, I don't know, but why don't you, why don't you cuss or I don't know, why don't yeah. you use this drug or something? Okay, good character says, look, I, I say no because I was taught to say no. And you learn to respond in the way that you were yeah. trained rather than we're teaching them how to be in bed with another individual. Yeah, yeah. And the sexual things that come with that, they're not, they're not geared mentally towards that yet. And it's funny you say that because in Deuteronomy chapter six, in training your children, it doesn't talk anything about sexual. It's talking about righteousness. Yeah. Training your child in the ways of God. Yes. And and that's where we need to get back to is mm -hmm. let's teach them good character. Yeah. Instead, we're teaching them how to be thugs. We're teaching them how to be angry. We're yeah. teaching them how to be frustrated. We're teaching them how to be depressed. We're teaching them all these things. And then we give them excuses later on as they grow older to say, well, you see, this is a natural part of life. Right. No, they were taught this. Right. Kids, by and large naturally tend to be more happy it takes a lot of good it takes a lot of bad teaching to teach them how to behave wow with bad character so we help our kids unlearn the good characteristics that god already inputted in them at yes. a young age we help unlearn them yes in those uh, areas yes i mean it's very it's a it's a common thing for a child to naturally lie if he thinks he's going to get in trouble yeah so what you teach is good character and that you know what that punishment isn't going to be the final end but what it does is it teaches you mm -hmm. that when it comes to do what's right and see that's one good character trait is not to lie mm -hmm. honesty is yes. a good character trait it very much is you know we, we can is. build on those good characters that you're talking about uh on those pillars if you mm -hmm. will and this is where kids become good citizens yes in the community That's or right. like are you talking about you're referring to in their own school yeah and they become very highly respected as adults because yes. they've learned this good character but instead we're teaching about sex yeah well sex gets you in more problems than it does help you interesting it creates potentially sexual or venereal diseases it, it brings about the fact that now you're you're going to create babies when you unwanted or unnecessary babies at a time before you can handle one mm -hmm. it teaches you how to have e emotional attached relationships with individuals that you may not really be attached to right so now you're connected to them uh, right. because because of this loving emotion but then lastly it creates soul ties which means that you're spiritually con connected with an individual that even if you never are a part of their life you are spiritually mm. because you've given you've given a part of your life that god wow. only allows you to give in a thing called covenant relationship right. called marriage right well when we start giving that up 
what we do is we give up our not just our virginity, but we give up our purity. Mm, that that is so good. Yeah, that and is we so don't good. teach purity anymore. You know, I'm on Deuteronomy chapter six. Yeah, and one of the first things they're commanded to teach is the fear of the Lord. Yeah. That's the first thing you teach a child. That's what we taught our children when they were growing up. Yeah. We taught them how to pray before they went to bed. We didn't break out different symbol, uh, uh, pieces of the anatomy and mm-hmm. a pie chart mm-hmm. to show them how man and woman creates a child. Yeah. We taught them the fear of the Lord first because character has to be established before sex. Yeah, yeah. They're good. That's good. That's so good. It is. And, and how do you teach that child to fear the Lord? In what way? How do we do that, my pastor? You have to model it. Okay. If they don't see the fear of the Lord in your life, the fear of the Lord doesn't quite make sense. Because remember, mm. we're we're more visual learners. That's that's a that's a shoe in. Mm. We are much more visual learners than we are any type of now audio. We're a percentage, but oh, visually, yeah, yeah. right? Eighty percent. It's like eighty percent. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. You're much more a visual learner. So if you're if if you as a parent show that man, every part of your life revolves around what God would want what mm-hmm. God would think, what God desires from your life, and you desire to be obedient, you're showing not only, you're not, you now have a right to tell your children to be obedient because they see you being obedient to the Lord. They, they When you tell the children, you know what, that you love God right. and that you should also be loving children, well, it's because they see you loving God. Right. Therefore, they know how to be loving to you. Mm. Uh, you see, whatever, the, the, the level at which you portray uh, yeah, how yeah. you yeah. have a relationship with the Lord is the way that their relationship is grown upon. That's how the fear of the Lord is developed. I, I love that because it's like what you sow, that's your, what you're going to reap. So if you're sowing, yeah. by example, the fear of the Lord, yes, that's what you're going to reap through your child. Very much. Now, when I say that, the fear of the Lord, some listeners might think, the fear of the Lord, it sounds like, like oppressive, mm-hmm. the fear of the Lord. Yeah. And we know that it's not. No. How is that, my pastor? To the listener who is kind of blinded by that understanding, if you will, or doesn't understand it just in general. To, to me, the fear of the Lord, and maybe it's more opinion here, uh, but but the way I see it in Scripture is, is that I know God has the power to destroy everything with just a thought. I know that he has the ability. Yeah. But his love supersedes his ability. In other words, mm. he has the ability to swallow the universe up and none of us exist anymore. Right, if right. he just says, I don't want nothing to exist, we're all gone. Right. He has that kind of power. Right. But his love is so great Come on. that he shows a compassionate love towards people that really deserve to die. Right. Instead, no, he says, I love you so much, I'll die instead. So I have a great fear of not only God's awesome power and what he could do, but I also have a great respect for him because that's a part of that fear because of what he doesn't do. I respect him because he loves me instead of destroys me. And to me, I see you're, when you describe that, my pastor, I hear a fear that's based in love. It's totally based in love. It's not a fear of that I have to be submit and bow my face to the ground because he is God. I submit and bow my face to the ground because he doesn't treat me like other gods. Interesting. Now, when you say that, I get the picture of Abraham, mm-hmm. who's known to fear the Lord yeah. and be blessed by God. Yeah. And to me, when you give that example, when you give that dis- that description, my pastor, I hear Abraham mm-hmm. and his character. Yeah. And what do you think? What do you think on that? I think so. I think that's completely right on. He's he's displaying a character that he's he's being exactly what he sees his father being. Mm. When in re- even though he lacks the power that his father has. You see, That's good. and so my God is a humble God. 
He isn't like every other God. Every other God forces me to worship him, Mm -hmm. forces me to think like them, forces me to act and respond. And then after all that, I have to bow and give something to them and sacrifice. My God's the only one that doesn't. He's so humble, even though he's more powerful than any God. He says, no, I want your humble. I want the same humility that I have. I want your humble adoration return. But that's you have to choose to give. I love it too because you talk about in reference to other other religions, they say to hate your enemy. I mean, hate is a strong yes. word, yeah. and we're told to love love, love our enemy. Yeah. No, I. It, this is why it's extremely important that the ch- that your children see the fear of the Lord. How mm. how what the fear of the Lord really looks like through you. Mm. And if our children don't have that fear of the Lord, most likely they're not serving Him. There's good chance mm, your children so don't good. serve God. And if you've ever wondered, why does my children not serve God? Because I've been praying for them. I've been praying. Have they ever seen the fear of the Lord through you? Wow. If they haven't, that's probably why. Because they look at God as this being right. that's angry and oppressive. Probably because to some degree you haven't been that parent to display what God should look like. Yeah. And that's good. And in, in your life, my pastor, and you, and your children watching you, what do they? What do your kids see in you when you talk about the fear of the Lord? Is there certain things that you do? Your right. kids see you in your life personally that they say, you know what? My, I know my dad fears the Lord. Right. You know that might be a question best left for them to answer. You know oh, that's because good. Uh, I mean what I think I'm showing them and what they're actually <laughs> seeing are sometimes. I love that things. transparency. I love that. that's really yeah. good. I, so I mean I know what I want to show them. I want them to see that every part of my being in my life revolves around what God thinks. And I think that's I think that's a good answer, just based on like you're saying, let my kids handle it. But you're saying in a humble to me, yeah, in a humble way. You know what? I'm doing the very best I can to yes. show that love, to, to show, show that respect, yes. to show that fear, yes. whatever however that looks like. But to me, I see it. Number one, you're always using the Word of God. Always, yes. And, you know, it, it always starts with desire. Do you even desire it? Mm-hmm. You know, as a parent, I do. Yeah. Um, I do desire it. But then number two, I don't just desire it. I want to reveal that. That's good. And so, like I said, now, to what degree do my children actually see that from me? That's, like I said, that's probably why it's better left for them to answer that. I love it. That's but so good. in my mind and in my heart, I really believe that I'm sharing, showing that and sharing that at the same time. I love it. And, and really quick, the next thing that they're taught to, to mm-hmm. show their kids is the honor of the Lord. Yeah. It goes from fear to honor. Honor. How powerful. And we're, yes. we're getting away from that in our, our public school system. We're getting away from that in our home settings. Yeah, yes. Is those top two, the yes. fear of the Lord, which is, like you said, founded in love of the Lord. And then the second one is to honor the Lord. You know, from the time a child was born, you, you, and again, I always use this kind of as the buffer, but but in reality, if you look at our country and the foundation on which it was found, mm-hmm. everything was to honor God. Now, look, we did mess up. We're not talking about the mistakes of our past, mm-hmm. but the one thing that we did seem to care about was the fact that what did God care, think about? So what we did is we also taught and trained our kids to honor God. We yeah. honored him how? Well, we honored him by going to church on Sundays. We honored like him it. by praying at the table for our food. I love it. We honored him by many a times praying before we went to sleep. Mm-hmm. We honored him by, you know what, not not using, uh, not allowing ourselves to be in positions 
that would dishonor him and shame yeah. him. Yeah. In other words, we're not we're not sleeping around. Mm-hmm. So that means I'm not going to I'm not if I'm a, if I'm a young man who loves God, I'm yeah. not going to go find a girl mm-hmm. to be my wife that doesn't love God. Okay. Uh, you see, That's it good. was there was an honor in many different levels and in different uh, different ways that we would reveal that or yeah. show that. Yeah. And in today's world. God's usually kind of put on the back burner, and then we institute God after we've made the mistake. Mm, that's good. The reason why we didn't make as many mistakes in the past as we do today is because we wanted to honor God first, right. and then we made our decision. Today we make a decision, and then we ask God to be a part of it. Wow. No, we honor God by asking Him to be a part of it before we make the decision. Wow, that is, really and that's good. true honor of God. Wow, that is really good, my pastor. Yeah, which kind of segues us into our topic today. Yes. scriptures taken out of context. Mm, scriptures taken out of context, and I believe that's where we're kind of the direction we're going. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have anything, any scriptures that you have off offhand right now with given that subject? Oh gosh, I I definitely do. I mean, I have one, but it would take me probably a little bit to just dissect it for you. But, yeah, yeah. But you know, one is is that we we well, let me just turn to that passage really quick. Yeah. Um. Let me see here. It is in Matthew. Um, oh, is that the one we're talking about just a little while ago about Peter? Uh, no. This one here is it. It's uh, which one is it? It's the one where. Uh, few will find it. Oh, okay. Um, in other words, it's talking about how few will find it, basically make it into heaven. Mm. Again, the listeners, we're talking about scripture taken out of context yeah, because there's a lot of things that we, uh, maybe the church in general, but people, just people in general as well, have taken scriptures, heard it, and then think that's what it means. No, you got to read the context. You got to right. get to the heart of what the Lord or whoever was speaking at the time. Because mm-hmm. most definitely, 100% of the time, they were influenced by the Holy Spirit when they spoke an oracle of God or a truth of God. And yes. man, in his fallible ways, we screw it up. We do. And, and you know, in fact, uh, you know, if you want, I, I have the passage of scripture in Matthew seven fourteen. Okay. I'm even going to look at it in my scripture here because I had written down some. Uh, uh, the reason why this one was a big one to me, because, uh, you know, I've said this before on other podcasts. I've said this in my messages many a times. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's very common is that we pull a scripture out. And we kind of use that as our catch-all for everything that we stand for and believe. And it's interesting because that scripture, you can't find it everywhere. It's in Matthew 7, 14, 7, 13, and 14. And it's interesting because a lot of these passages, what we do is, um, how can I say it? We tend to use that for a lot of different things. And it's interesting. I find that. I grew up hearing a lot of scriptures, and we'd pull that scripture out. Every time somebody would say something about a specific thing, yeah. whether it be an end-time situation or about heaven or about about a situation, we would pull that one scripture out. Yeah. Well, I decided there was a handful of scriptures that I'd been taught all my life, and I would use them sporadically too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would kind of use it as the catch-all, and it would just kind of stop conversations. Mm-hmm. But then I realized, wait a second. How come I use that one? Mm-hmm. Is there other scriptures that surround it in the uh, in the Bible yeah. that I can validate that one scripture to say, wow, that's what that one scripture means? That's good. What I found is is that there are several scriptures that we just that it says it in one passage, yeah. but you don't find any other scriptures that validate that scripture. 
So we're holding on to one scripture to, to validate what we believe it means. And it means a lot of different, and it means this one big thing, and it's like it's good for everything. And what I found is that we're misinterpreting it. Oh, come on. And I found that we were actually using that one scripture because I can't find other scriptures to back it up, in other words, validate it, or back it up. Okay. And I found that, wait a second. So I had to go in and I'm like, how come there's not other scriptures in the scripture to say, yeah, that one's right. Yeah. You see, to me, if, if Jesus says I'm returning, okay, and we all say, well, God's going to return one day. Okay, is there other passages of scripture that basically Validate declare that. this yeah. and back this up? Right. Well, there are. There's several of them. Mm -hmm. But this one time, I all of a sudden I find that there's scriptures that we use that I'm like, there's no other scriptures that share this. Right. How come? Right. So I, in Matthew 7, 14, or 13, starting in 13. 13, okay. Actually, if you start in chapter 7 of verse 7, it's actually best. Okay. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Okay. Well, when it says will, it's in the affirmative. In other words, there's no doubt that it will happen when it says it will. So I'm like, okay. Then it says, uh, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Again, in the affirmative. So will is the prominent word here. Wording. When it says it will, it's not it might maybe. or maybe. It's in the affirmative that it has to happen. Mm. So watch this. You're getting me excited here, Pastor. I'm telling you. <laughs> and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things who ask him? So this whole passage is 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 predicated on what I'm about to read here in okay. verse 13 and 14. Okay. And it all starts with this chapter in the affirmative. This is what God will do. Wow. This is what God is doing okay so watch come on, this come on. in verse 13 it says enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and there are many who will go in by it but narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it mm. now this is interesting because i started looking this up and i'm like okay it says few will find it Difficult is the way. Well, this word few in the verse 14, it says few will find it. Yeah. Uh, some, or this word difficult, some use the word hard. Hard to find. It's hard to find. Okay. Well, if I go back to verses 7 through 8, it says it will. I can. It will be found if I ask. I will find it if I knock. No I will see. No doubt about it. There's he, no doubt about it. Yeah. But then how come here it's saying it's going to be hard? Hard. How come few will? And I'm like, so I decided, okay, well, now let me just say this. You can find this scripture in a in another gospel, yeah. but it's the same exact scripture, though. It was I just see. being re re uh, um, reset, basically, yeah, yeah, exactly. in the other passage. But there's no other scriptures that are like it okay. to back it up. So other renderings in your comparison, they're identical. The, yeah, they're just identical. So it was just okay. a repeat of what was already said. Okay. But as far as backing it up by other scriptures that say yes it's hard to get into heaven yes very few are going to find it very few i can't oh, I find any other going. passages i see where you're going 
I can't find any. Well, then I started going back to verse 7. I'm like, well, that's funny. It says it will. So here's what I did. I started dissecting the word. It says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way. So we know that it's extremely easy to get to hell. To get to hell. It's just saying it's a broad path. In other words, you can go you can go through Hindu, you can go Buddha, you can go Islam. In other words, there's a broad way, range of religions you or can not choose even, from. Or not even serve religion. You just you yeah. serve yourself. Just serve yourself. You can find it. It's, it's a real easy path to get in. Wow. Okay, so watch this. Okay. But it's a way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Okay, so we know there's many. Okay. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. Now, this is entering. So I looked at that word narrow, and it means literally narrow. But then I looked up the word difficult. The word difficult means confined. They use the word difficult because the assumption is based off the word narrow there in that same passage. The word narrow, they use the word difficult because they're assuming, well, if it was hard, easy hard. to get into the gates of hell... They're assuming. They're assuming that it must be hard to get into the gates of heaven. No, no, that's not. They used the wrong word. And you said the word confined. The the real the better Greek word is confined. Well, why is this important? Well, watch. The word confined is interesting because it actually makes it extremely easy to get into heaven. Now watch. I I this is the example. So let's say you're walking through the mountains. Okay. And I say, hey Matthew. I want you to head north, and you'll find my cabin 10 miles into the woods. Well, you've been up in the woods, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. If I sent you and just said, go due north, and I said, from this point right here, do you think that after 10 miles, you'd still find my cabin? No. Not in the woods? No, not in the woods. Uh-uh. But what if I said, hey, there's this little teeny path. Mm, okay. It's only about a foot wide, but this path... No matter wherever you go, it doesn't matter if it goes to the left and the right or wherever. But if you stay on this path, it'll take you'll it'll open up and you'll be right there in front of the cabin. Makes would sense. you trust that path, or would you just say trust my direction as saying go north for ten miles? Uh, go north and trust your path. You would trust that path. Yeah, that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying I've confined the path so narrow that you can't miss heaven. <laughs> He says, if you want to choose this big path, you're going to find destruction. He goes, the big path only leads to destruction. He goes, but I've narrowed it down. There's only one path. Oh one little gosh. confined path. Now watch. I mean, okay, you've already blown some minds here. I'm blowing some minds here because this is what we've been teaching for years. Oh, it's so hard to get into heaven. And there's so few that are going to find it. And people accept that. We accept it because... It sounds logical based off of what we're reading. Exactly. It sounds logical based off someone being even critical of God. Yes. God, I knew God was that way. No, God's I, saying, I've made it so easy to get to heaven that if you'll follow this path only, not the big wide one. The big wide one will lead you all different directions. It'll lead you to Islam. It'll lead you to Buddhism. It'll wow, lead you wow, to Hinduism. Wow, wow, wow. It'll, so no, he's saying, I'm going to make it so easy. There's only one little path. And if you'll stay confined to that path, not the difficult one, yeah. the confined one, there's no one. what is very specific in other words it's the salvation of jesus christ if you stay on that path you'll make it wow so watch this and he says confined is the way that leads to life and there are few who find it the word few is another word few now that word few is you can use the word few is not a bad word but the word find is interesting 
I looked up the word find. find. Okay. Well, it's also the word for look, which is the better word. Look. Yeah. Because if you say few will find it. Now, when you and I think in our English vernacular, what do we think when we say find? In other words, if you lose your keys... You, you you got to find them. You got to find them. It's a struggle to find it, right? Right, right. And that's what this sounds like. It's saying it's a struggle because very few are going to be able to find that path. Yes. Be able to, very few are going to be able to find the gate that leads into heaven. Interesting. No, he's saying there are few that will look for it. Now, if I said, "Hey, oh, hey, go," I got ten dollars up on my dresser, and you're sitting down in a couch, and you say, "Ah, I don't want to go look for it." Right. Well, that's different. When you say you don't want to look for it. Right. Then when you're saying I have a hard time finding it. Right? Wow. Because people don't, in the process of looking for something that's lost, they get the burden of the stress of having to find right. it. Right. How can I find it? It's hard to find. I, no. where, where do I begin? Right. Where do I begin? I don't even know where to look. And No. He's saying few will look for it. Few wow. don't. In other words, it's a choice. You don't want to go look for it. It's not that you can't find it. You can find it. Just few will look. You wow, see what I'm saying? That is so good. That's why when you go back to verses 7, it says, if you, if you, what does it say? If you ask, you will find. If you seek, uh, uh, if you seek, you will find. If you knock, it will be open. If you ask, it will be given. Wow. So the Lord's saying, if you just ask, it'll be given to you. But there's few that want to look for it. Wow. That's a different thing. So if I have two children and I say, look, I have $10 somewhere in my in my dresser drawer. One saying, oh, man, I don't want to look for it. And the other one gets up and looks. He's going to find it. Exactly. He will find it. Is all he's got to do is go look, go look in the drawer. But one doesn't want to go look. See, there's very few that want to look for the Lord. And that's the scripture is saying. That's all it's saying. It's saying, I've already made the path so easy to find, that to, to find the way to heaven, to find the way into eternity with me. I've made it so confined that you can't miss it if wow. you'll stay close to me. Right. But very few really want to look for that path. Wow. That's all he's saying. Wow. That's a completely different definition of this passage. It's interesting because that word confined means with boundaries. In other words, with like um with like cones yes. leading you. God's even put a boundary so that way you can't make a mistake. Exactly. You'll know where to go. Yeah. What direction. Follow the yellow brick road, so to speak. That's exactly what he's saying. Follow the yellow brick road. You can't miss it. It may be a little brick road, but you will, if, as long as you stay on that little brick road, you will not miss heaven. Because like the scripture says, that's the way to life. Yes. That's the way to life. The other way is the way to destruction. Right. And that's why if we define it based off of the way we read it, it looks like, oh, it's so easy to get into hell. And yeah. it's so hard to find heaven. And he's not, not saying that at all. He's not even remotely saying that. Wow. And this is why it's good for the listener wow. to understand. Don't ever there just pull one scripture out and use that to define everything you believe. Exactly. Or assume this exactly. You got to do, do research. You got to do your research. Was it 2 Timothy 3.17? Study. To show thyself approved. A workman who needeth not be ashamed, but who can rightly divide the word of truth. Divide. You aren't rightly dividing if you just pull it out and use it anytime you want. Right. Did you rightly divide it by seeking it out and asking the Lord what that means? That is so good. And when I begin to search that out and ask the Lord, because I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, how come it's the only passage in Scripture that says it's hard to get into heaven mm. and only a few are going to be able to find it? Well, if how do I know then if I found it? No, he says, well, if you sought it and knocked for it and asked for it, you've got it, son. And to me, the fact that you asked the question. Yeah. 
the fact that you asked the question and God gave you an answer. He gave me an answer. I, I love going back, if I may, for a sec, on the word will mm -hmm. throughout the whole passage you read there. The word will means pleasure, command, direction, and pursue. God's pursuing mm -hmm. us. God's allowing, yeah. God's given us free access to pursue Him. It's His pleasure to give to us. Give it those things this is amazing. i mean pastor going back we talked about about parenting it's a pleasure for us to give our kids what they deserve yes it's a pleasure to bless them on their birthdays yes graduation and so forth like that and i can't even imagine the pleasure that that god has for us to want to give us yes whatever we ask yep whatever we seek and whatever we're knocking that's on. right it's his will it's he his wants will. to and you're just blowing my mind here it's so good this is really good stuff this will help a lot of people uh, because of the fact that what we do is we use these strange scriptures and we start using them in the end time stuff. Oh, there's very few people who are going to make it to heaven. Yeah. It's like, well, wait a second. I'm not saying that that might not be true. Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying is you better validate it with the scripture and rightly divide it before you start saying that. Because right. in reality, that gives nobody hope. I was getting ready to say that. I mean, the, the from the non-Christian world to the Christian world, who does it give hope to? Yeah, it doesn't give hope to anybody. I mean, that means, well, then who who's going to make it? Right. If you're saying it's already hard for me to find it to begin with, right. how do I even know if I found it? Now, I don't have to question. I just says, ask, and you'll receive. Knock, and it will be open. Uh, seek, and you will find. Well, I will. And to me, I believe you just liberated some people right now. I believe so. I really believe you have. And I believe they're going to liberate other people with this revelation. I, I mean, believe this, so. It's not just a gold nugget, my pastor. This is something, this is a vein of gold, if you will, mm -hmm. that has really can release people from, from things they thought they were bound by. I totally agree. And there's a lot of scriptures that are like that. If people don't really, really seek, remember, the Holy Spirit inspired this word. We have to read it with the eyes of the Holy Spirit. Wow. We have to. We have to read it through His eyes. Yeah. And with His eyes. Yeah. Because a lot of the understanding, mm. because you got to understand, the That's Word good. of God has been interpreted from Aramaic mm -hmm. and Hebrew. Yes. Well, we have to assume a lot of things based on what we're interpret how, how we interpret because it. Because there is a language barrier. Yes, there is a language barrier. So even though it says this in the Hebrew and Aramaic, the way... They said it doesn't mean it interprets very well into our English. Wow. And so we have to really study it and then ask the Holy Spirit, what was the heart of that? What did you really mean by that, Lord? And like what you did, Lord, how come it is so, how come this scripture says this? It gives people no hope. And you question the Lord. Yeah. Not to question him like God. Do you, you're, uh, yeah, I didn't actually question God himself. Yeah. I questioned what his word meant. Yes, exactly. Because I didn't understand it. It's all about how you ask. It totally is. It's all about how you ask. And yes. God, he will reveal it yeah. if we have the right heart. Very much so. And so this is good to, there are a lot of scriptures like this taken out of context. Yeah. Another one, my pastor, Job 121. Mm. God giveth and God taketh away. Okay, so let's go to Job. Yeah, Job one twenty one, one. And this is where uh, a lot of things have been taken away from Job at this point. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, so now if we go to Job, uh, 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 let me see. Um, Job, chapter three. Okay. Okay, so if we go to Job chapter three. Verse 25. Now, you got to understand, uh, it, it's it's so weird to see Job having everything that he possesses being taken away. Yeah. Mm. Being taken away. You give the 
There okay. it is. There so it is. So you have to ask yourself, well, why is it being taken away? And there's no other passage in Scripture that I really find that God takes something from you in this way. He's going to take his family. Well, what did Job say? If you want to read that again, wrote Job 121. Yeah, God giveth and God taketh away. Okay, so why is God saying that? I'm going to ask you. Why is Job saying that? Yeah, why is Job I'm sorry. Yeah, why is Job saying that? Job is saying that because everything he has loved, his children, his finances, is out, are gone, All wiped, gone. Wiped out. Okay. Completely gone. Very good. Well, if we would read chapters 1 and chapters 2, who really took it away? It was Satan. It was Satan. He petitioned God. He's the one that went to the throne of God and says, um, uh, do I not have free will? Yes. basically over the land and but job is the one that stands out can i not have him and god grants him yes god grants satan so now we have to ask well why would god grant satan mm -hmm. well first of all satan always has a right to work on on the good. behalf of sinful man that's good against sinful man i should say mm -hmm. not on behalf against sinful very, man. very good over 30 okay so why would he work against them well because man gave it up in the garden mm -hmm. So he has every right to some degree to do everything he can to destroy us. Yeah. But how come he was able to take so much? Yeah, yeah. Well, if we go to Job chapter 3. That, that's good, by the way. Uh, Why was he allowed to take so much? Right. Because he does have that right. Because mm, man good. gave up his authority mm -hmm. in the garden. That's good. When he gave his authority back to Satan. Yes. How do we know he gave his authority to Satan? Mm -hmm. Well, because it was Satan that was trying to take it away to begin with. Exactly. And he gave it to him by mm -hmm. doing what? Mm -hmm. By allowing the deception. Sin. Sin to come in when they partook of that fruit. Right. So that means that you have Satan and mm -hmm. you have man. Right. So you have Satan who doesn't have the authority, mm -hmm. man who does because mm -hmm. God gave it to him. Yeah. But the moment he followed Satan's word, what happens? man fell mm. well if you fall to satan's word then that means you relinquish your authority to him mm. if they would have listened to god's word then they would have given their authority back to god mm -hmm. the authority over them would, would have been from god they would have used it right they would have used it right but they didn't they relinquished their authority to satan right by allowing that deception so now watch this is what satan does he now has the right to deal with a lot of things that destroy our faith watch what it says what? in verse 3 chapter 3 verse 25 and it says for the thing i so it's job the thing i job greatly feared has come upon me and what i dreaded has happened to me i am not at ease nor i am quiet i have no, no rest, rest for trouble comes that's interesting job wow. thought it was god that was doing it right but it was fear well what does that's satan good. deal with Fear. There's that's, a according to scripture, there is a spirit of fear. Right. That's his realm. That's his realm. That means Job was struggling to walk in the complete love of God. For we know that the perfect love of God casteth out all fear. So he didn't he feared God, but there was something that he feared even greater, and that was losing his his possessions like he just stated he had a complete awe and love uh, he had a complete awe of respect of who god is yes. and his power yes but his emotional fear there it is the, that which was doubt and fear mm -hmm. actually relinquished everything else that he had to satan because everything he was doing was based out of that not the fear of god right. but the fear of losing the fear of losing and it says it so right here so oh god gosh. was limited because god's saying to job job 
what am I to do, buddy? You have there's no faith here. I mean, you're really unlocking some revelation here, Pastor. You know, the fear of losing, and this is what he operated in, even though he gave sacrifices to the Lord on a daily basis on behalf of his kids. They were still a fear of losing those very things. And actually, the reason why he gave those sacrifices daily was because he did have a fear. Yes. He actually feared that he would lose it all, so he would sacrifice. No, that's not the reason you sacrifice. You sacrifice because you love God. And you honor him. And you honor him with your sacrifice. He wasn't he was honoring on- God. Oh, my God. He was gosh. trying to save his children. This can preach all day. I'm I, telling you. This is really good. It's very deep. It's good. And this is a misinterpretation of Scripture. Yeah. God did not bring this on Job. Satan brought this upon Job because of Job's own fear. And we hear the Scripture quoted all the time when a loved one passes away. Yeah. God giveth and God taketh away. Right. When that person was eating bad or that person was in the right. gang or that person was this or that. Is God to blame? In those moments? You know, I don't find very many scriptures. In fact, there might be one. I just don't know of it again because, I, I again, we're talking about that anomaly or that, that, that lone scripture, I should say, where he's saying God taketh and God, God giveth and God taketh. I don't find really any other scripture that God takes something once he gives it. Now, you may abuse it. We see lots of people in Scripture that abuse their own anointing. Yeah, or we may lose it ourselves. We may lose or it. Or we may lose it ourselves. And or the thief cometh to steal, steal kill, kill, and destroy. destroy. See, we don't ever give anything any credit to Satan. Mm. Satan is the one that has the ability to steal, kill, and destroy. God's not there to give you something just to take it back. You lose it, or Satan steals it. Yeah, it, it, and Jesus spoke that at John ten ten. Mm-hmm. But he says, "But I come to give you life." in life more abundantly. And there you go. Jesus is trying to rectify any situation that says, okay, you've all listened to Job. Job doesn't know what he's talking about. And he, and by the way, he apologized in the, in the last chapter. By That's the, he, right. I'm sorry, he repented. He repented. He repented. Because God had to even correct his his lack of understanding. There it is. He questioned it. He questioned it. And Job, but God even says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you when I hung the earth on uh, hung the earth?" On nothing in the middle of the universe. Yeah. He says, where were you when I threw the stars out into the sky? Where were you? He's also said, I love this part. Where were you when I put the feathers on an eagle? And the horses and the, and the mane on the horse and gave the lion his roar. He's saying, very specific things. Very Pastor. specific. He's saying, you don't even begin to understand anything is what he's really trying to tell. Oh, my God. He says, you think you understand concepts of the universe, Job. You understand nothing. It was your fear that got you here, not me. And talk about being humbled, Pastor. Yeah. Hearing his voice and then hearing those words. Yeah. How do you live? I'm telling you. You know, how do you even survive that so, moment? I'm amazed myself. <laughs> and so, again, we have a scripture that's being pulled out of context because we don't know the full context. Yeah, that's good, my pastor. So as we can begin to wind down, mm-hmm. how, how do you how do, should we encourage the listener on this podcast? What what direction should we go at this point as we can begin to close this up? One, don't get hooked on one scripture and live by it. I don't mind if you live by a scripture, but make sure that there's there's at least three or four other scriptures in the Bible that can validate it or back it up. You know, and then at least. If you're wrong, even if you're still wrong, at least it's a healthy discussion because you yeah. really believe it based off of the fact that that's what you're finding in Scripture. Yeah. To back that up, I'm like total. I can handle that myself. Yeah. Wow, you have a. You know how many religions are formed simply because they pull out one scripture and they misunderstood it and they just misunderstood it. That's all it was. 
Um, you know, the, the, the most famous scripture is the one where, you know, the Latter-day Saints, where they believe that Jesus came to the Americas based off of one scripture where he says, I have other sheep in my fold that you do not know. That one scripture. It's a very generalized scripture, by it's the way. It's a very generalized scripture. And all Jesus was actually saying is that he was talking to the Jews. Because remember, we know this in Matthew chapter 15, the the, the lady that was that came begging to heal her daughter from a demon possessed, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. her daughter from a demon. Uh, remember, Jesus says, look, I have not come to to the Gentiles basically, but I've or to the dogs. Yes, but I came to the how the lost sheep of Israel, Israel. the house of Israel. He's saying, man, I came to bring this word to the Jews first, mm -hmm. not to the Gentiles. Right. So then he's talking to the Jews later on, and he says, and by the way, there's other sheep in this fold that you don't know. Mm. And they were like, well, who is it? Who is it? And he's like, it's the Gentiles. He's just saying, period, it's wow. the Gentiles. That wow. means anybody who's not a Jew. So he did not come to the Americas. He was saying, I'm coming to the Gentile nation. And you just clarified another scripture that was taken out of context. Taken out of way. context. And this happens quite often, buddy. Yeah. And so my point is simply this. Make sure that you can back it up and understand the full context before you use one little scripture to base a whole big video of what you've, what you've declared off of one little scripture that actually is way, way off. And again, to me, I, I believe we can close with that scripture one more time. It's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17. Mm -hmm. Study to show yourself approved okay. as a workman. I'm sorry. A workman who needeth not be ashamed. In other words, you'll never be put to shame is what it's really trying to say. In other words, when you've shown yourself approved God, in other words, when you've when you've taken the word of God and you've the word study is also another word for being in the presence of God. When you've put yourself in the presence of God, you will be able to rightly divide the word. Well, how do you do that? That's called revelation. Knowledge. And this is why we won't be ashamed. That's how we won't be ashamed We're because the revelation knowledge always stands the test of time. Well, and there you have it, listener. I pray you were encouraged during this podcast. And uh, the goal is, again, to study, to show yourself approved. Or yes. in other words, like Pastor Paul just said, be in his presence. Be in his presence. And you will not be ashamed. There you go. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Power Talk Podcast is brought to you by Powerhouse Church. You can find us at fellowship.fm and Spotify. If you would like more information, prayer, or want to contact us, go to powerhousechurch.us.